2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 1, and uh, we're going to read through uh, verse 10. We've been on this study now for a couple of months, but tonight is actually, uh, well, not the last night, but it's definitely leading into the conclusion, uh, maybe one more teaching on this, but the last word in, this, in, the, uh, in the series of words that Peter uses. All right, 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God, uh, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. He says in verse 5, and besides this, all the things that he mentioned in verses 1 through 4, he said, besides this, given all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Everyone say virtue. Add to your virtue knowledge. Add to your knowledge temperance. Say temperance. Add to your temperance, patience. Add to patience, godliness. Add to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. And that's what we're going to be talking about here tonight. But he goes on to say, if these things be in you and abound, they make make you that ye shall uh, neither be barren nor unfruitful. In the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, but he that lack of these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather brethren give diligence, he said, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to fall. And he's talking about. The utter fall here, not messing up every once in a while. The Bible is full of scriptures that tells us, uh, for example, the just man falleth seven times, but arises again. And so we know that we're, we're going to fail in life. We know that we're going to do things wrong and mess up, but we get back up and we continue on. But Peter is speaking here about the utter fall, the fall where you fall away from truth. You fall away from Christ. You fall away from the gospel. You go away from the kingdom and away from your God. He said, if you'll do these things I have mentioned to you in verses 1 through 10, he said, you will never fall. You will never fail. Lord, I pray that you'll speak to us tonight for the next few minutes here this evening. that we will hear the word of God. I believe, Lord, in my heart that every person that's in this building here tonight, Lord, we are here because it's our desire to one day see you. God, it is our desire to make heaven our home and our eternal fellowship with you and the brethren. We do not want to fall. Help us, God, to heed. Help us to pay attention. Help us to look, God, search, and to diligently apply these things to our life that we might grow in knowledge and fervency with you. We ask it in the mighty, wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Increase our knowledge about you, God. It is our prayer in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. 
So let's proceed in our teaching here tonight. We learned some wonderful things in these verses. One of the things that uh, I have reviewed uh, over because I just feel like it's an important part is when uh, Simon Peter says, and beside this. So we have to ask ourselves, beside what? Well, all of the things that he mentioned in those verses. He said that was that which was given unto us, all things that pertain unto life. Think about that. That all that we need concerning this life to be successful, to have a successful walk with Christ, to have a, a, a close walk with our brothers and sisters, to be a part of the kingdom, that these things have been given unto us. He went on to say not only all things that pertain unto life and godliness, he said, but uh, even exceeding great and precious promises. And so everything that deals with uh, life on this earth and I walk with God and when uh, Simon Peter talks about the life on the earth of course he's talking about the relationship with the almighty God because he goes on to say and godliness he said but also added to that is great precious promises and then he went on to say and also we have been made partakers of the divine nature of God and in being made partakers of the divine nature of God we have escaped the corruption of the flesh through lust the corruption that you and I are both very aware of the path that we were on, the corruption that we were following after, that if we would have continued on that path, many of us would not even be alive today. But if we were alive, we would be miserable or we would be, God only knows what would be wrong, maybe in prison or, or who knows, because when lust is, con is uh, conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And when sin is finished, it bringeth forth death. But Simon Peter said, we've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. We have been given the precious promises of God. And we have escaped corruption by being made partakers of the divine nature of Christ. That's powerful. One would think that that is just absolutely enough, that we just don't need anything else. But in truth, all of that was given to you the day you prayed through to the Holy Ghost. When you came down to the altar and gave your life and heart uh, to God and he filled you with his spirit, you were buried in his name. His name applied to your life. Your sins uh, were washed away out of your life. Everything that Simon mentioned, all of that was instituted into you the moment you gave yourself to God. And so Peter continues on to say, he says, now uh, we want to add to that, giving all diligence. He said, be diligent, be zealous and seeking after the things of God and the word of God and add to these things that God has given you. Because the only way to make it to the end is if we continue to add every single day in our life. He said add. The word add there just means to, uh, to add, you know, uh, uh, additionally. And then we begin to study the word and what he was talking about. Add what? What do you, what do you want me to add to these precious promises? What do, you, what do you want me to add to having been made a partaker of the divine ways of God? What do you want me to add uh, to having been given everything that I need to succeed in life and my walk with God? Well, there's something you need to notice that all of these things that Peter has already mentioned are things that God gave you. 
It is a gift that when you gave your life to the Lord and repented of your sin, God gave you everything and me everything that we would need to be successful in our walk with God. God gave me and you all of the precious promises of eternity that have ever been made. And God gave me and you made us to be partakers of his divine nature and we have to escape death that lust brings in us escaped it God gave these things to us and so then he continues on to say but you and I there's something me and you need to do he says add you add say I add say I add So I add to these promises. I add to this divine nature given to me. I add to all these things given to me to be able to have this walk in God. What do I add? What do I do? The first thing he said is add to your faith virtue. We studied and realized that that word virtue, it means a boldness. Peter was saying, don't let everything that God has given you be on the wayside. Don't let it die. Don't don't, don't lock it up in some little container of life. And, and, and nobody ever realizes what it is that you receive. He said the first thing you need to get when God comes into your life and gives you all these things is you need to get a boldness. You need to rise up. Why? Because your family needs this. Your co-workers needs this. Your neighbors need this. Everybody you need, the clerk on the other side of the counter, needs what God has given us. And so we got to get a boldness about his. But then he goes on to say, but don't be stupid. Well, that's kind of what he said. He said just like that. He said, add to your virtue knowledge. He said, learn about me, wherein you think you find eternal life. Learn the word of God. Get knowledge so that when someone comes up to you, the word of the Lord tells us, when someone comes up to you and they ask a question about something that you believe, that we ought to be ready to give an answer. But we don't want to just open up our mouths and it just be full of hot air. We want the word of God. We want the power of God behind us. And so with that boldness, we want a knowledge, a knowledge of the word. He went on to said he said now add to that knowledge temperance or self-control why because we we can become bold and full of knowledge and if we're not careful that boldness and that knowledge can turn into uh can turn into arrogance or we, or we may miss uh, the timing of God. He said, so you got to add temperance to this. you got to give self-control to this. Don't try to shove everything you know down somebody's throat, especially if they're not hungry, if they're not receiving it. He said, you got to learn to be patient. you got to wait on people. Pray for them. Give them a little bit. See how it is. Give them a little more and slowly lead them into the Lord. And so Peter continues on. He said, now add to this self-control. Add to this patience or this temperance patience and then he he goes on and say to your patience godliness and so when you acquire uh, all of this he said and, and you're patient in God no matter what you're facing no matter what you're going through he said uh, add to that godliness that godliness is is a devotion unto God no matter what I'm facing I am devoted no matter what valley I'm going through I am devoted whether God blesses me I'm devoted whether I find myself in, in poverty I am devoted whether I'm healthy I'm devoted if I'm sick I'm devoted if I'm strong I'm devoted if I'm weak I'm devoted I'm devoted I'm just devoted unto him. 
And he said, and add to that, de that uh, devotedness to God, brotherly kindness. Love your brother. Have affection towards your brother. And we learned that this word here literally meant love your brother like you would uh, love some, uh, your own flesh and blood, your own uh, blood brother. Love your brothers. Love your sisters. And then he finishes this out. He says, and add to brotherly kindness, charity, or the love of God. And initially, we would sort of look at that, and we would kind of have to uh, think to ourselves you mean all these things that you have already talked about all these things that you have mentioned uh, and then you use the word kindness there be kind to your brother and love your brother why would that not be uh, the love of God why would that not be charity why have you separated uh, charity from kindness now this word charity here agape it is the uh, it is the God love so it goes beyond a human love it goes beyond a brotherly love love one another be kind to one another and uh, speak well of one another the Bible says but then we have to go beyond that and we have to add uh, charity and what you will find is that when you add this level of God love you add uh, uh, undenying sacrifice you add a selflessness to it because that's the character of God it's who God is we're going to find ourselves in situations that in order to be kind to our brother we're going to have to sacrifice it's going to cost us something it's like making a little trip over to the Bahamas it's not going to be fun maybe there are time it would have been but you're going to be entering into an island that's just full of disaster that, that's been torn apart by a storm but there are people there that if, if they have to wait on the government dear Lord Lord, uh, who knows if it'll ever happen. There are brothers and there are sisters in Christ. There's a church there. We want to reach to them. We want to help them. We want to go. Is there going to be a sacrifice? Yes. But that's when you go beyond brotherly love. Brotherly love picks up the phone. Brotherly love says, I love you. Brotherly love calls and says, hey, how you doing? But godly love gets on a boat, floats across the water, walks into the territory and help them rebuild their life. That's godly love. Put your hands together. I told you I was going to make you guilty tonight. Just kidding. It is the truth. It is godly love. That word there, uh, affection or uh, benevolence. As Peter continues to talk about these things uh, that we should add to our experience in Christ. He ends all of this list with what must be the foundation in everything that I do and in everything that you do. This must be the foundation. It seems that most of us would no doubt, as I've said, define charity uh, as kindness or these other things that have been uh, that have taken place. But something I have found is that love, uh, the love that we're talking about here, this agape love, this God love is not so much the act of kindness as it is the foundation or the motive that produces that kindness. And when we get the love of God inside of our heart, our actions uh, towards our brother and sister are, 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 are not in such a way that we intend uh, to be reciprocated unto. We're not doing something so that we might get something in return. We're not acting so that somebody might act in our favor. We're not giving so that somebody might give back unto us abundantly. 
In fact, the Lord says in another place uh, in, in his teachings in the Gospels, he says, what good is it if you give to somebody when you know you're going to get return? What good is it if you bless someone because they're blessing you? He said, you want to bless like God bless? Bless somebody that when you're done blessing them, all they'll do is revile against you or they might talk about you. That's all right. I'm not helping you because I expect you to help me. I'm helping you because God loves you. And I want you to feel that love. And I want you to experience the love of God so that sometime down your walk in life, you're going to remember that when you rebelled against everything, there was a child of God that loved you with the love of God. It's the only hope. It is the only hope that they have. Paul the Apostle agrees with Simon Peter and his viewpoint when you study the book of Corinthians concerning this great word love. There's no other place in the word of God which expresses what the true meaning of love is. And what you're going to find out with the word of God is that love is not a feeling. We go back to the old story in the Old Testament and the word of the Lord says that uh, when, uh, what was it, uh, was it Jacob? Rebecca, who married Rebecca? Isaac. Well, the Bible says when the servant brought uh, Rebecca from her family and Isaac was in the field and Rebecca stepped down off the horse, the Bible says, or the donkey, whatever she was riding, the word of the Lord says right there that Isaac loved Rebecca. Now, how is that possible? He had never spoken a word to her, he did not know her. Why would they use that word in the word? When she stepped on the ground, power of God moved upon him. And Isaac knew she was the chosen one. And he committed herself to him. Whatever to her. Whatever comes from that day forward, he was committed to her. That's what that word love means. I will not leave her. I will not forsake her. I will not fail her. God gave her to me and he loved her. He committed himself to her. And what we find in the Word of God is that God's love is commitment. You know, this worldly love, and this isn't a marriage seminar here tonight, but, uh, but this world thing we call this worldly love is, you know, it's, it's all right when everything's going good and everybody's happy and the bills are paid and money's in the bank and everybody's healthy. The kids aren't crying. They're all asleep. Everyone's fed and just everything's just hunky-dory and great. You know, it's easy to love one another be good to one another but when there's no money in the account and the kids are screaming because they got choleric and uh, and all kinds of chaos is going on the grass is growing up in the yard because the lawnmower is broken and the dishes are piling up in the sink uh, because the, the water's been cut off and everything's going crazy in the house that's when love's got to step in that's when you're committed to one another whatever it takes we're going to get through this we're going to stay together we're going to overcome this we're going to do it together <laughs> you say well does that exist not outside of God it doesn't and that's why so many marriages fall apart today because their love is outside of God it's a man's love it's actually probably just a, a, a glorified lust whatever you want to call it things fall apart you get God in the middle of your marriage you'll learn to love your spouse the way God intends for you to love your spouse all right. 
I would say that's free, but it should cost you 20 bucks. Let's look at the first three verses of this chapter. 1 Corinthians 13 and 1. Watch this. Paul the Apostle. Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, have not love, I am become a sounding brass and a tickling cymbal. Now notice what he says here. Though I have the gifts of the Spirit, but I don't use them in love. Then he goes on. Though I have the gift of prophecy, though I understand mysteries, though I have all knowledge and I have all faith, but I don't do it in love. He said, I'm nothing. Watch what he says in verse 3. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. Though I get on a boat and go to the Bahamas and help do a little sheetrock. Though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. When you and I read those verses 1 through 3, when our mind thinks that is charity. Charity is not the act. Charity is the motive. And when the motive is right, then the act doesn't care if it backfires. When the motive's right, then you don't care in the action if it doesn't turn out the way you were expecting it to inside of your mind. If the motive's right and you do something in God's name and they don't receive it right, it doesn't matter. You'll do it again. You'll do it again. You'll do it again. It was never about the reciprocation. It was about the motive, the act of God and the love of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. You can always tell when someone is doing something uh, in a selfish manner. You can tell when your actions, it's a good Geiger counter. It's a good uh, self-checking point for you to let you know where you are. You do things for somebody, they don't receive it right, you get all upset. Well, they, they need to get upset with you. You never came to them in the right spirit. You were selfish in your unselfish actions. (laughs) You were prideful about your humility. And so even though you, you exemplified the action and you did the deed, which appeared to be brotherly love and kindness, you didn't do it with the right spirit. And it's easy to find that out. It's easy to find out how you're loving your spouse, how you're loving your brother, how you're loving your sister. When things don't go your way and your attitude begins to flare up a little bit. It's because everything you're doing, you're not doing out of love. You're doing it out of selfishness. Thank you. That thing should be full right now because y'all are all sinners. Including the guy preaching to you. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. You go do something and, and it, it turns on you. We've all been there. You walk away and you get mad and you go, bless God, see if I ever bless him again. See if I ever do anything for her again. You're going to treat me that way, I'll show her. Me and Jesus was trying to help her out. Look what she did. Jesus didn't have nothing to do with that. (laughs) Well, he might have moved on you, but man, your attitude wasn't good. Am I preaching to real people? Has it ever happened? All right. We look at those verses 1 through 3 and we say, well, that is charity. My Lord, he's going to give his body to burn. He, he, he showed everything he had and, and he, he gave it to the poor. Oh, my. What a great guy. What a great guy. No, no. None of that is love. That's just actions. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ said in another place, he said, um, you say that, uh, you know, you do, you do good to this 
You do good to this one that loves you and you think you're awesome. He said, listen, the worst people on the earth love people that love them. He said, the, bigger he, he, the biggest heathens on the planet know how to reciprocate kindness. You give something to me, I'll give something to you. He said, that doesn't make anybody righteous. It's the motive that's behind it that turns it into true love and charity. And that has to be from the Spirit of God. And so we find within the confines and the boundaries of our actions of kindness for it to be real and from the heart, the attribute which is contained within, love must be the foundation of it. No matter what I do, no matter what it costs, no matter the sacrifice of the foundation or the sacrifice, the foundation of all my actions must be fulfilled with the qualifications that are found in verses 4 through 8 of what I'm about to read you. Anything and everything that we do if this isn't the foundation it is not love it is a human act Paul tells us in Corinthians chapter 13 and verse number 4 charity suffereth long everybody say suffereth long now, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You come down here, you pray about something, and the preacher, you talk to the preacher about it, and, and you're over here talking about your mean old husband at home, and you come, you come to pastor, and pastor says, now, look, this is what you need to do, and, uh, and then, you know, this is going to help. We'll, we'll, we'll do other things, but, you know, let's start there. And you go home, and, and you do it that one single night, and, and then he doesn't reciprocate properly, and you come back and you say, I tried, but it failed. It's worthless. I said, you tried one night. Charity suffereth long. Huh? We got to say, say, I got to stay with it. You got to stay with it. You got to stay with working with that coworker. You got to stay with praying for that neighbor that despises you. You have to stay with being kind to them no matter how they are to you. You have to stay with it. You have to be long-suffering. That's the only way love wins out. Love will always win out. If you do what love really is. Suffereth long. Tell your neighbor, I've been suffering long. Love suffereth long. It's kind. It envieth not. Vaunteth not itself. Not puffed up. Behaves itself not unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity. Rejoiceth, it, but it rejoices in the truth. Beareth all things. Believeth all things. Hopeth all things. And endureth all things. Charity never felleth. That word suffer there means to willing or suffer long, basically, just as it says, willing to suffer a long time. To be kind means to show oneself useful. That's what kindness means. You know, we will interpret kindness as saying kind's word, kind words. No, kindness, the definition, the word, you, the word uses here in kindness is that you show yourself useful. When you see a need, you get up and you do something about it. That's kindness. That's biblical kindness. In the if not. In other words, it's not jealous. You, uh, we help somebody. They're in a hard time. And uh, God, God lifts them up. And he, he puts them up above us. And we're like, whoa. Wait a minute. Whoa, God. Whoa. I'm the one that helped them. Now you, you, give them, you put them two positions over me. Now they're my boss. And the Lord said, what's of it? You know, the disciples came up to him one time. They were, he had just got through telling Simon Peter. He said, look, when you get old, they're going to carry you away and they're going to kill you. And you're not going to like the way it happens. And Simon Peter looks at the Lord and he says, well, what about that guy? That's exactly what he said. What about that guy? 
And he was talking about the one whom the Bible says, uh, whom Jesus loveth. And the Lord looked at Simon Peter. He said, look, buddy, you were, the only thing you need to worry about is what me and you's got going on. What I do with him, it's none of your business. That's how you walk with God. If you start comparing yourselves amongst one another, the Bible says you're unwise. You get in the will of God, you walk with God, wherever God puts you, whatever He wants to do with you, you are always at the best level with God when you're in the will of God. Don't worry about what God's doing with anyone else. The Bible says true love is not jealous. When we see God blessing our brother and blessing our sister, true love will rejoice and be, exi- be excited. True love vaunted not itself. It, it, doesn't, uh, it doesn't boast upon itself. When you hear somebody, you, you know, come on, we, we, we'll hear people, you, you hear this all the time. And it, this, is, this is one of the most aggravating things I, I, I think that um, I can, uh, that comes to me. Sister, come on, you probably hear this all the time, especially as a grief counselor. But... Someone will have just died, you know, and, and you're there. You're supposed to be comforting the family, and, and uh, you sit down, and the next thing you know, that person turns the whole situation into about them. Their mom just died, and they go, oh, I know how you feel when mom, not, mom died, and then they don't stop. Next thing you know, the whole thing's about them. <laughs> it's the spirit of boasting. Yeah, it may be boasting of sorrow, but it's still boasting. And we and, and so you can apply that in any kind of way that you want. You go up to somebody and 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 they're blessed with something. And oh yeah, you're you're blessed with a pinto. Oh God, but do they even make pintos anymore? You're blessed with a Ford Taurus. And if you own one, God bless you. The good course, but you should have bought a Camry. Anyway. So you're blessed with a Ford Taurus, and you're driving a Ford Taurus, and a guy, so they come, oh, I'm so excited. God blessed you with this beautiful car. You know, God blessed me uh, with a BMW. And the next thing you know, these people with a spirit of boasters suck all of the joy out of what's going on and what God had done for that individual. That's not love. You come with a pretense that you're happy for them. But what you really came to show them is how God treated you better than he treated them. Am I talking to humans? Now, you know, we have all we have all walked that path and we have certainly experienced that path of people doing that. But real love doesn't do that. Real love walks up and it doesn't matter how much God has blessed you. The only thing you're concerned about is rejoicing with that brother and that sister and what God has done for them and lifting them up, excited about them and thrilled about everything that the Lord is doing. That And you maintain yourself. Why? Because your attitude was pure and your spirit was right and you actually really came to them excited through the love of God to see how God is bringing them up out of poverty, how God is lifting them up out of sin, how God is reestablishing, rearranging, refocusing their life and putting everything back together for them and you're excited for them. True love is not puffed up. This is the foundation of everything that we are or to do things. Puffed up means to, uh, to inflate or to make something bigger in, a, in appearance than it really is in substance or volume. To be puffed up like a balloon. You know, you can, you can uh, blow up that, uh, that balloon bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And, but the volume of the balloon itself, not the air in it, but the volume of the balloon itself doesn't change. The mass remains the same. 
You're just stretching it. You're making it look bigger, but there's no more substance there when it was when it was just a little old flat balloon. Same amount of substance. It's just you've puffed it up. You have inflated it. And the Lord doesn't want us to do that. Doesn't want us to puff up things or inflate ourselves or make things bigger than what they what they really are. We don't behave ourselves uh, unseemly, which means to be uncomely, un, uh, unbecoming. We don't, we don't, uh, especially, you know, when we're out in public, we don't behave ourselves in such a way that brings embarrassment to people that are around us or behave ourselves in such a way that uh, it, it could introduce spirits of uh, uh, ungodliness, such as, uh, you know, telling a, a joke that is uh, off, off color or maybe even filthy or just doing things that aren't right, behaving in an unbecoming way, uh, in a way that pushes people away, in a way that is uh, disgusting, etc. He says love doesn't do that. Why? Because love is always aware of everything that's around it. Love is always aware that these people are souls and that we don't know what they're going through. So while the word of the Lord says in another place that we shouldn't jest, and there, that word there is uh, practical jokes, that we need to be, uh, we should be very careful in doing those things. How many of y'all know people that have been offended when something was actually intended to be funny? Only me? A few more? Okay. A couple of honest people. I didn't mean to offend you with that. It's just Justin. And so um, the word of the Lord uh, tells us to, uh, you know, always be aware. Now, it doesn't behave itself unseemly. And it doesn't seek uh, or seeketh not her own self-worship. How many of y'all know some self-worshippers? How many of y'all have worshipped yourself? I have. You've never made that mistake? Are you kidding me? Listen, until you wake up and confess that you're human, you're not going anywhere in this thing. In fact, to say that you have never self-worshipped yourself is self-worship. Just bring you in on a clue. You're thinking you're so awesome and so great and so incredible that you've never bragged on yourself. I never thought you were awesome. Don't, don't ask my family about my self-worship. <laughs> Not easily provoked. We need to skip that one. Thinketh no evil. We'll go by that one too. Wouldn't you like to? Not easily provoked. Anybody here easily provoked besides pastor? Am I the only one that's carnal? Is everybody else here godly? I am the most human person you will ever meet. When I tell you I must pray every day, I must pray every day to keep this old carnality, this arrogance, rudeness, and all the other mess that dwells in the old Kyle DNA. You ever met my brothers, you would know the demons that I battle every day of my life. Not easily provoked. <clears throat> this word here actually means that we don't make things worse than they actually are. So when a situation's going on, we'll, if we find ourselves in such a position that, our, that we literally allow ourselves to become 
more excited and have more anxiety and to become angry or worried. All of those fall under being provoked. All of these things. And we're doing, and we find out later that it wasn't even really the situation at all. It wasn't even really truth. Only half truth or third truth or certainly not as bad as you thought it was. Learned a long time ago to try to learn to look into things a little bit before I react. Especially before I open up my mouth and make a comment towards something. Let's find out. We live in a world of second-hand, third-hand information. And anytime you're getting information from someone else, you got to remember, you're getting it through their own filter system. That means whatever they have received over here, however they perceived it, they took it in their mind. And now every experience, every hardship, every pain, every hurt, every disappointment, every bad thing going on in their life mixes up in that situation. And by the time they get to you, they give you a whole different scenario of what actually happened. And then you receive that in your own set of worries and your own set of frets. And what's happened? We've allowed this thing to be provoked. We've allowed it to become bigger than it really, really, really is. I think, I think the next thing takes care of this. It thinks no evil. When someone comes up to you and they have something bad to say, the Lord says true love, true love doesn't think evil. It may be a situation that you've got to look into a little bit. That's fine. But I'm not just going to automatically assume that the person's guilty or that it's wrong or not right or whatever the case may be. I'm not going to think evil about them. I'm going to think good and I'm going to let their life and their actions prove whatever way that it may be. You don't have to judge them they're their own judge their actions and words are their own judge this has got to be the foundation of how you and I live we don't rejoice in iniquity and you know exactly what the word of the Lord is saying there somebody does you wrong something goes wrong uh, goes wrong with them and deep down inside you go yes God got them you ever heard this one right what goes around comes around. That's rejoicing in iniquity. That's exactly what that is. That you being excited about the fact that whoever did you wrong has been done wrong. What goes around comes around. You better watch out. That's going to get you. God says that's not a Christian. When someone does you wrong, the love of God gets on its knees in its face. And it says, Lord, hold not this charge against them. For they know not what they do. They don't know what they're saying. God, I'm asking you to forgive them. Lord, I forgive them. It's okay, God. Lord, let's just work with them. Let's make help make them better people but God I'm, I'm not going to let nothing happen to them let nothing come against them that's what Simon said when he was being stoned to death while he preached the truth when he was taking his last breath and he said to the Lord he, the Bible says he saw Jesus and he, he looked up to the Lord and he said Lord hold not this charge against them God don't, don't hold this against them they don't know what they're doing they don't know you God they, 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 they don't know that you are indeed their Savior God they're wrapped up in tradition they think they're doing right God they think that throwing that rock they're doing you a favor Lord don't judge them for this don't hold this against them I forgive them God you forgive them all of that was coming out while he took his last breath what would happen if the church was really truly able to take on that kind of an attitude 
that no matter what was done to us, God, hold that not against them. Lord, they don't know how much it hurt me, but that's okay. I forgive them. Don't hold it against them, God. But fix things. So many things. First of all, it'd fix us. Most of our problem is we walk around with so much pain and anger and unforgiveness and vengeance. You say, well, I've forgiven them until you see them in the grocery store. You're tempted to pick up that can of green beans, go on the other side of the aisle, just kind of throw it over, see what happens. If it hits them, God must have guided it. Thank you. I was beginning to wonder. Rejoice is, doesn't rejoice in iniquity, but it does rejoice in truth. It beareth all things. You know what that really means? It, it could be used as whatever comes against you, you know, you can handle. But we've already, we've already took care of that previous this word beareth all things means to put a top on something so that whatever's inside cannot get out God is talking about being an individual that somebody can come to you and share their deepest pain and hurt and their deepest secret and love will cover it. And love will never let it out. Now, how many of y'all know that there's only two people in your life that you could probably trust that way, if you're lucky? And how many of you have met an individual that after knowing them for just a short time, something deep inside told you, I can trust that person. Or I can't. I'm going to give you a hint. If someone tells you a secret, never tell them a secret. That makes sense? If someone comes up to you and says, now listen, no one's supposed to know this. So don't tell nobody. Just trust me and you. You better mark that person down. That's the last person you ever want to tell anything to that you don't want nobody to know. I'm going to give you a second hint. If you truly never want anything ever known, never tell anybody except Jesus. And I promise you, God's so good at this that if it's a sin and you repent, God says, I'm going to take that thing. And when we're done, 
I'm going to throw it so far away from me that I don't even remember. That's his word. He said, I'll remove your sins and I will never remember them against you again. They'll be gone forever. Why? Because he beareth all things. Never be afraid to be open to him. He already knows. Never be afraid to be open to him. And if you have a couple of people in your life that you think you can trust, that's a good thing too because we should be able to speak to one another. In fact, this word tells us that if we are truly walking in the love of God, all of us should be this type of a confident that when someone speaks something to us, that's where it stays. You know how it is. Hey, we need to pray for someone. Now, before we pray, I need to tell you all about it. Now, how is me knowing going to help? Anything. In fact, the only thing me knowing is going to do is pollute my ability to pray purely for the situation. All right. Beareth all things. And then he went on to say, believeth all things. Now, that doesn't mean if NASA tells you to more that there's actually Martians on Mars that you're supposed to believe that. That is not what that's talking about. This is from a biblical Christian God perspective. Believe all things that God reveals all things that his word says. And whatever the promise is, never doubt it. Believe it to the end. Believe it all. Hope in all things. Hopes, hopeth all things. He expects every promise of God that was made in the word of the Lord. Never lose hope. Endureth all things. Now, this word here and endureth all things, it's about us as well, enduring our, um, our trials and tribulations. But the word there actually comes from the root word, which means to be supportive. So when the King James Version here is saying endureth all things, it's really saying be willing to walk with your brother and sister no matter what they're going through. And be a support to them. You know, sometimes certain um, the kind of person that I think God wants us to be is when you go somewheres and nobody hangs around that person, go hang around that person. Don't let your fear of your reputation. Well, they're going to think, you know, oh, well, he's hanging around him or her. Um, then he, you know, he must be. My reputation is in Jesus Christ. And my life will either support or denounce my words. My actions will either support who I, I say I am or they will, my actions will denounce who I say I am. And, you know, in the ministry, um, I'm trying to be careful how I say this, but so let me just say in life, you know, in life, we all know that 
will come amongst the clique, the clan, the group. And you'll see that there's those two or three or four or five that just don't fit in. For whatever reason, they don't fit in. And the problem with that is most of the time, it's, it's bad reasons. You know, they're, they don't make enough money or not educated enough or I don't know. Just whatever the reason may be. The Word of God says that His kids will never shun them. But no matter where these people find themselves in, God's children will always support them. Because I promise you, God is supporting them, and God loves them. And to get the blessings of the Lord flowing through us the way we want it to be, we're going to have to be willing to go to people that maybe other people don't want to be around. Because that's who God's reaching for. And charity never faileth. I'm coming to a close. There's all kinds of loves in the world. There's the sexual love, the family love, the brotherly love. But tonight we were talking about uh, God's love. He said, after you've added all these other things, when you wrap it all up, your foundation needs to be love. If the foundation isn't love, Paul said in the book of Corinthians chapter 13 in the first three verses, if the foundation isn't love, then everything that we do is just worthless. It's just actions of men. And what you and I do, the Bible calls wood, hay, and stubble. And in the end, it'll be burned. Only the things that are done in love through God's power and spirit will last. Because when it's done in love, the motive is right. And when your motive's right, your actions are going to be right. And whatever happens or however it happens won't matter. You know, it's so important to do it right because when we're dealing with people that are hurt, we're dealing with people that need God, and we go there, and the Lord sends us there, and and we try to be their support. We try to be their strength. And they respond in a way that we don't really appreciate. And then so we respond back not in such a good way. We lose whatever we may have been able to accomplish. And so we have to be long-suffering in the situation. We have to realize that whatever God has sent us into it may take a while to accomplish. But if the foundation, if the motive is love, it won't matter. Because love never fails. It never grows tired. It never gets weary. Because it's not a selfish motivation. That's why we get tired and weary. Because it's a selfish motivation. And we're ready to move on to something else. <laughs> We're tired. Let's stand. I know it's a little bit of a te different teaching tonight, but I couldn't think of a greater group of people to teach it to. And uh, that is this wonderful Wednesday night uh, crowd that loves God. We love one another.
and um, we want to we want to do right. I don't want to fail. I don't, Paul the apostle said. He said it would be such a shame for me had to preach this gospel and saved all these people. And in the end, I myself be a castaway. That was Paul the apostle. Paul the apostle recognized that you can fail. You can fail. And he said, I, I, I don't want that. And the only way not to fail is for you and I to learn to do all of these things in love. So add to my temperance, add to my virtue, add my faith virtue, and my virtue knowledge, and my knowledge temperance, and my temperance uh, patience, and my patience uh, brotherly kindness, and uh, brotherly kindness. I'm missing one in there. huh? Charity's last, but I think I missed one in there. Anyway, um, and then to wrap all that up in love. So my kindness flows from God. My temperance flows from God. My knowledge flows from God. If these things don't flow through charity, we'll do damage. We can be overwhelming with knowledge, hurt people. We can... All of these things um, do more damage than we can good. Peter said, if you'll apply these things, and if your foundation is love, he said, you will never fail. You will make it to the end. And the Bible says, he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. Lord, we come to you tonight. I thank you for this incredible group of people. I thank you for the sanctuary of the Palm Beaches. Those that have given their heart and their life to you. I'm asking, Lord, that these teachings on these powerful verses somehow we will apply them to our life to the point that God they will become second nature to us it's just who we are it's, it's how we act it's how we respond that your love would get so deep in us that it would literally be the motivation and the foundation of everything that we do. God, that we would not be weary in well-doing. That we would fight the good fight of this faith. And continue walking with you. Teach us, God, to love those that do us wrong. To pray for them and to love them. Teach us to bear all things. Our brother or sister confides in us, God, that we bury it deep and we bring it to no one but you, God, that you would help them and we would intercede with them. I pray, Lord, that we become the strength 
And when people walk into this building, they find the love of God to be at the foundation of everything we do. Help us, Father, we pray, we ask. We ask in Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody say, amen. Amen. Give the Lord praise. God, we love you. We praise you. We adore you. So turn to your neighbor and tell him, I love you in God's love. Now, that's big words. I just preached on that. I love you in God's love. God bless you. You're dismissed. Be kind to one another. Be good to one another. Speak well of one another. Uplift one another. Pray for one another. Support one another. Encourage one another. Amen. We need one another, don't we? We need one another. I love you. God bless.